Welcome to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. How good! Friday night and finals weekend of the Rugby World Cup is just one more sleep away with that third versus fourth playoff kicking us off tomorrow morning at 8am. And then, of course, the big dance, 37 hours away now with the two biggest rivals in rugby history set to square off to see who will be the first nation in Rugby World Cup to lift the Webb Alice for the fourth time. Both South Africa and New Zealand, they've named their squads overnight and later in the show we'll hear from both coaches around some of those selection decisions. But the Springboks, they've made two changes to their starting 15 to take on the All Blacks and their significant ones at that with Faf de Klerk and Andre Pollard to pair up in the halves, perhaps kind of signalling the way that the Springboks are going to look to play in this contest. Jacques Nienenbach, he's also opted for a 7-1, forwards to back split on the bench, meaning there's no room for Kobus Reinach or Mani Lebok, who drop out of the 23-man squad altogether. you got to feel a little sorry for those two blokes. For the All Blacks, Ian Foster, he's made just the one change to his semi-final winning side with Brody Retallick claiming back the starting jersey, Sam Whitelock dropping to the bench, and then Nepola Lala, he also comes into the 23 with Fletcher Newell dropping out completely. So keen to hear what you guys make of these two sides. Has it changed your opinion on who will win this game? Maybe some score predictions? Fire them through to double eight, double three throughout the show and I'll be sure to feature them. Next up, World Rugby. They've announced their nominations for the various awards that will be handed out on Sunday night Paris time at the World Rugby Awards. Adi Savia, he's been nominated for the most prestigious one, International Player of the Year, alongside France star Anton Dupont, Ireland's New Zealand-born Bundy Aki and the South African enforcer, the Man Mountain in Eben Etzebeth. All Blacks boss Ian Foster, he's also been shortlisted for Coach of the Year, along with Fiji, Simon Rawalui, Ireland's Andy Farrell and Springboks coach Jacques Nenemba. Then two young all Blacks prop to Mighty Williams and the elusive winger Mark Talia. They're among the four finalists for Breakthrough Player of the Year as well. Alongside that South African player I mentioned before, Marnie Leboc, who unfortunately doesn't make the 23, and the young French winger. He's an exciting player, just 20 years old, Louis Bial Biari. So keen to see who wins those awards. And speaking of All Blacks coach Ian Foster, he has said today as well at the press conference that he plans to keep coaching after the stint at the Rugby World Cup. Of course, in March, New Zealand Rugby made the call to replace Foster with Scott Razor-Robertson from 2024. However, after naming his side for this final against South Africa, he confirmed he will continue to keep coaching somewhere, and there's more to come. Foster had this to say. I've got lots of ideas, but first I'm going to go mow my lawns. Hey, Christy. Uh, Sam, uh, see Khaleesi had some nice words. I will be coaching though, by the way. <laughs> so an interesting way to answer the question there from Fozzie. He always attempts a bit of humour. Sometimes he doesn't really get a laugh. Sometimes he gets a bit of a reaction, but good of him to clarify that there. Whether that will be on New Zealand soil or perhaps overseas, I'm sure there'd be some Japanese top clubs lining up with some big money for a potential World Cup winning coach in Ian Foster. 
Speaking of coaches, England head coach Steve Borthwick, he's launched a bit of an attack at World Rugby's decision to clear Bongi Imbanami of racially abusing Tom Curry with the senior figure, showing that the flanker was a victim of double standards. So he believes that Curry has not had his voice heard after World Rugby found there was insufficient evidence to open a disciplinary hearing against the South African hooker who was accused twice of racially abusive behaviour, but of course has been cleared to start for South Africa on Sunday morning and a key inclusion for them. Then UK journalist Stuart Barnes, he's poised the question that Will Jordan may well be the best winger of all time, saying that the Crusaders winger doesn't have the raw power of the legendary John Olomu or the sheer speed of Brian Habana, but he has a knack like no other in finding his way over the try line. He finishes like no other, catches kicks like a fullback and does everything else with a sense of purpose. Lomu, Habana and Savia, Will Jordan may well be better than all of them. And of course, he has their try scoring record at a single World Cup with eight tries. Can he score another to claim that record? Speaking of Jonah though, Dan Carter, he spoke about the All Blacks great on the latest episode of the Rugby World Cup podcast and he had this to say on his interactions with the great winger. As a young teenager, um, I've already talked about him on this podcast uh, today, uh, that I used to look up to and for me changed the game of rugby as Jonah Lomu as uh, he was a hero uh, of mine through my teenage years. And then my first ever professional game, Canterbury against Wellington. Uh, I was a young 20-year-old and um, Jonah was on the bench for some reason. He came on and I was like, oh no, here we go. And as a little number 10, uh, Wellington had a scrum on the right-hand side. And Jonah came off his wing, got the ball off the nine and just eyeballed me. I'm like, I kind of want this, but I kind of don't. Anyway, steamrolled me. Um, I felt exactly like Mike Cat felt in uh, 95 and got steamrolled. He went in to, to score a try. Um, unfortunately, he had you know, some, some illness um, after the, that year, so I never got to play with him, uh, which, um, you know, I, I, if I could choose anyone to, to play with and go to, to war and play a test match with, it would, it would be Jonah. I would love nothing more than putting a cross kick across, across to him or setting him up for a try or even just sitting back and, you know, having a cup of tea as he runs over uh, the opposition and then to, you know, enjoy his company in that changing room environment after a game uh, would have been a, you know, a dream come true for me. So that was Dan Carter speaking there on John Olomu and man, I would have given anything to see those two team up. Two of the goats in New Zealand rugby, what a duo they would have been. Speaking of Will Jordan, DJ Timmy's text through saying Will Jordan with the match winning try 27 to 23 to the mighty All Blacks. Look, I certainly hope so. That would be unreal stuff if he can take that record and get etch his name into Rugby World Cup history. And finally, the All Blacks players, are they in for a big payday on Sunday? Well, the Herald has posted an article that each member of the All Blacks 33-man squad has already secured a $35,000 payment for reaching the final, and if they are to topple the Springboks, that payment soars to $150,000 New Zealand dollars under the players' collective agreement with New 
New Zealand rugby. She's not quite up there with what you get for winning the Football World Cup or other sports, but still a pretty handy payday, that's for sure. Maybe a bit of added extra motivation for the players, although I'm sure that's probably the last thing on their mind at the moment. Time now for your Breakout Performer, brought to you by Breakout River Meats, 100% Australian meat and locally produced from Cowra in New South Wales. And I think I've saved the best till last here. I think this player is going to turn out a man of the match performance in the big dance, fresh off a World Player of the Year nomination. As I mentioned before, it is the great Adi Savia, the destructive All Blacks number eight. He's been at his menacing best throughout this World Cup with 45 carries for 252 metres and 23 defenders beaten on attack. Add to that 47 tackles on defence, eight offloads, three tries, and arguably the best stat for me, Three kicks as well, which you love to see from a number eight. None better than that box kick he pulled out right on our line against Ireland. And speaking of Ireland, here's Ardy scoring that try against the Irish in the quarterfinal. Under advantage offside. The All Blacks want to go back to the short side. Will Jordan. Here is a chance for Ardy Savio in the right corner. Oh, A plus for the dive. He puts it down. The All Blacks have another try. And this first half won't quit. It's 18 points to 10. So not just a strong ball runner, he's got the razzle too, one of the great swan dives, proving that he is one of the elite finishers in the game potentially. So there is your breakout performer and my predicted man of the match for the final on Sunday morning. Brought to you by Breakout River Meats, 100% Australian meat, locally produced from Cowra and only found at your local independent butcher. But it's time now for a break. When we come back, we'll take a dive into the media sessions from both the Springboks and the All Blacks camps here on SENZ. Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Surly here in the hot seat through till 7pm as we continue to build towards this weekend's finals action here on SENZ. This morning, both teams, South Africa and New Zealand, held media sessions post their team namings with coaches and players from both sides speaking around the big game ahead. So first, we'll hear from the Springboks camp with head coach Jacques Nirmba asked if it was a bit of a relief for him that now the off-field situation regarding Bongi in Bonami has now reached an outcome and they can focus purely on the game at hand and not that other situation. Um, look, I must say we, we're fortunate in, in terms of the, the, the support and the, the, the legal team and everybody that worked behind the scenes. I mean, we were very shielded from it, to be honest. Uh, and where we stay on the golf estate over here, we we almost in our own little bubble. So for us, it was business as usual, and we just focused on, on rugby, uh, and, and that was taken care of in the background. The next question put to the head coach was around the seven-one split, and why have they gone with that? Who will play halfback if anything happens to Faf? All these different scenarios. It's a long answer from the coach. He really wanted to lay things out quite clearly. So strap in for the next two and a bit odd minutes. It's interesting listening, though. So here he is. Um, um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take my time on it because I think there will be there will be quite a couple of questions regarding the team selection. And, and that's probably the starting point. Uh, probably uh, um, the team is not 15 and 8. The team is 23. We always say that. We, we select the squad. 
Um, and um, when you do a, a, a squad selection, there's a lot of things that influences that and probably from medical to performances, to past performances, and obviously a lot of analysis going into New Zealand, what their strengths and their weaknesses are, and, and where we think we can get the edge on them, you know. So obviously, uh, and then the discussion starts between the coaches and, and the selectors, and then it goes from a 5-3 to a 6-2 to a 7-1, back to a 5-3, 6-2. So it's not, it's not a 10-minute discussion, it's hours and hours, you know. Uh, and Probably the big, if you look at our squad, uh, obviously the f um, there will be a couple of questions on it. So uh, uh, um, uh, Vincent Koch couldn't train on Monday and we have a policy in our team. If you can't train on Monday, uh, you, you're not up for selection. Um, so unfortunately, he then missed out with, uh, with uh, Trevor coming in for him. And uh, then secondly, so everybody, the other guys are all medically fit. And then the second thing you probably look at within your squad is performance. Uh, and I think if you look at... At our squad and the performance, I think there's consistent performances and there's not a big gap within our squad. If you if you think now the guys missing out like Andre Estreiser and Kanan Moody, the last time when how, how good their performance was against New Zealand. New Zealand. Uh, but also then going back, um, I think Damien Dalenda and Jesse Creel is putting in some proper performances. So um, I think from a performance point of view, there's not a big gap. Okay, and then probably it will go to um, the next question will be the risk. So if you, a lot of people say, listen, 5-3 has got a, uh, there's less, less risk there. Uh, but let's say on a 5-3, if you lose two locks, obviously you had to prep one of your loose forwards to stand in as a lock. Uh, and and must, so I think in, in all teams, there's, I, I think even if you look, go back to your quarterfinal, who played off back when Aaron Smith went on off? So Richie Mohanga. So as coaches, you always, you always mitigate risk by prepping other people for circumstances that will happen. So uh, in our case, it will be Cheslin. And he's always been a guy, I mean, he played a sweeper for, uh, for in sevens, you know, which is the equivalent to scrum off uh, um, uh, in the 15s code. So he's always been a guy that if we got a yellow card, he, he would be the standing uh, halfback. And uh, we've prepped him there for not just this week, but for a couple of weeks. So so he will be the, the standing halfback, yeah. So interesting to hear there. Cheslin Colby will be the player to come into that nine role if there was an injury to Faf de Klerk. You'd have to think if either him or Pollard in the halves went down, they would really be struggling. But clearly they have a game plan. They're not going to play as expansive as they did against the French. We're going to see a lot of kicking and a lot of forward-orientated play. So the 7-1 split, they believe that that is going to work in their favour. Next up was Springbok captain Sir Khaleesi. And man, do I love listening to him talk. He was asked around, what does it mean personally? Personally, for him to play in a World Cup final against the Springboks' greatest rivals in the All Blacks, it's it's huge. It's always big playing against the All Blacks, but to play it in a World Cup final when it's number one and two team in the world playing um, head to head, it's yeah. I don't think it's stuff that you can dream about because it doesn't happen often. I don't think it will happen in our lifetime again to have two teams like this. And um, yeah, we've prepared as hard as we can, and we. We, we know uh, what to expect. Obviously, they might have some new things coming, but like I think for a player to be playing in a game like this, I don't think we'll ever, it will ever get any bigger. So we, we, we're excited. We're looking forward to it. We know how good they are and how good they've been. You know, they, they, you know a couple of months ago, they were going through a tough patch, and that's how good of a team they are. That's how proud of they are of the team. They 
just turned it around quietly behind the behind the scenes. They were doing their work, and and now and now they're here. So I'm looking forward to it. And we've had to work find our way too, you know. And the way that the coaches went the last year or so, they mean we've played over maybe 50 players to try and find the best. Even the guys that are not here, I think they will be prepared to come and fill in this day. So. I'm looking forward to, to, to Saturday. I don't think it will ever be, uh, get bigger than this. It will probably be the biggest game of my life. So great to hear from Sia there. It's just so cool to hear the respect these two sides have for each other. It really does add another element to this final, and this really is the final. Kind of everyone from the Southern Hemisphere wanted to see. Jumping across from Springboks camp now over to the All Blacks, and coach Ian Foster was on the mic first. He was asked around a couple little tweaks on the bench with Nepo Lalala coming in. Is that a response to what he expects is coming from the Springboks side? Yeah, it's certainly a response. It's not so much a response to the power, more more the techniques that we think we're going to have to deal with. And Nepo is a very strong scrummager, very experienced, and um, you know he, he's trained so well. He's disappointed he probably didn't play the last two, but uh, this is a great occasion for him. And alongside Samasoni, with the likes of Sammy Whitelock on the bench, there's a really believe we've got a lot of confidence in that group coming off. And there are a handful of All Blacks legends playing their final game for the team. One of them, Dane Coles, unfortunately he hasn't made the 23 this weekend so he appears to have played his last game in the black jersey. Coach Ian Foster was asked how tough of a conversation that was to have with his experienced hooker. Yeah, tough. And and again, you know, we, we, we've quite, we want to elect to not talk too much about posts but um, uh, that was a tough one, you know. Probably the toughest I've had as a coach. The way that I would have expected him to. He's a champion. So good to hear that Dane took that well. Of course, he's always a team first type of operator. I did wonder if they would opt for his leadership late in the game like they did against Ireland. He certainly held himself well in that performance, but clearly they've gone with the size and a bit more of a destructive ball runner and physical footballer in Taukiaho. So interested to see the impact he has off the bench late. The next question that was put to the coach is his thoughts around South Africa's 7-1 split versus the All Blacks conventional 5-3 bench split. Yeah, look, it's a tactic that, I mean, that's what I love about the game. You know, people play different ways, try different things, and they've got their way. They, they think that suits their strength, and um, but it doesn't really change anything that we do, to be frank. It's, you know, we're, we're going and preparing for, for our game the way we want to play it, so our strategy suits us, their strategy suits them, and makes it kind of interesting on Sunday night. And how would Ian Foster describe the occasion that is in front of this side? Again, playing against our biggest rivals in a World Cup final, pretty unreal scenes. What did Foster think of it? Yeah, big. It's, um, look, you know, we're, we're, that's what World Cup finals are about. I mean, I, I guess we, we've, we've, this is our second one um, that we've been to. And look, I don't think there's ever a small one. And... Um, and I think that the fact is we've got two two teams that are, have been the old foes for a long, long time playing each other. And we all remember the last final that they had, and that was an epic. And and I guess there's a, a hope that it'll be the same, you know. And then you do the maths and you had three World Cups each and someone's going to win four. There's, it's just a special occasion, isn't it? And... You know, we've had a few recently. We had the 100th test against them in 2021 over in Townsville and 
Um, so there, there have been a few big, big tests we've played against these guys and uh, look, massive regard for each other, you know, and, and I'm sure Jacques would say the same thing. We Massive respect for them as a country for how they play and, and it kind of makes it, it's a pretty cool week to get ready for. All Blacks captain Sam Kane was next on the mic and he was asked around how hard it is to get the balance right leading into this game between the head and the heart and not playing the final in the days leading up to the big game. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes down to our preparation. I mean, earlier in the week, we've got a lot of experience in this squad and it'd be silly not to tap into some of that, particularly for the younger guys. So that's all that was. Uh, we've been really clear and we've... Uh, built how we want to play as a team so in terms of head and strategy i think we're, we're really clear and we're in a good place uh and with that comes confidence and that um yeah there'll certainly be a high level of an emotion and intent to start the game um but there always is and, and the boys i think uh you know we've played two finals two knockouts effectively more actually um in a row so I trust that we're in a good spot there. Boys uh, have done a lot of yeah, a lot of physical and mental prep, and um, although it's a final, it is another game where we just have to go out there and, and trust ourselves and, and trust ourselves to to play good footy. So uh, yeah, it's a fine balance, but the team's in a good spot with it. And the next question put to the All Blacks coach was an interesting one. He was asked, despite everything he's been through over the past year, is he at peace with where the team is at right now? Is he happy with what they've achieved to this point, to be in a position to go out there and win a World Cup on Sunday? Yeah, I'm reasonably peaceful. I think um, it's, it's a, I love the word, but I, I'm not sure I'm feeling peaceful right now. I'm, look, I'm, we're, we're where we want to be right now. We're excited by this and... And, you know, I've been saying it for a while, you know, we lost the first game to France. After that, everything became pretty important. And But we, we've said all on this team has thrived on being in the now, focusing on, on what we're doing now. It's been um, something that we've loved doing. It's enabled us to deal with any particular noise outside or circumstance outside that may have affected this team. And and and, and I think it's a massive credit to it, to a... Sam, our leaders, for that we've been able to stay in that place. And so we've woken up this, this, this week and we're in a World Cup final and, and we're excited. And it's um, and, and right now we're, we're trying to make sure we balance the, the control of the emotion of it versus, you know, dealing with all the messages we're getting from home and even people in France have been massive and I have to thank them for for an awesome support that we've had from, from the local people too, but managing all that so that we can just go out, put a smile on our face and play our game. And that's what we're focusing on. We, we know it's a, there's two great teams out there, different styles. They're great at their style, we want to be great at ours. Yep, that's going to be crucial, being great at our style. Whoever executes their so different game plans on the weekend will come away with the win, for sure. But it's time now for news with Johnny Mack. When we come back, we'll be joined by a great New Zealander, Scotty Stevenson, here on Rugby World Cup today. Life goes on, it gets so
Welcome back to Rugby World Cup today, brought to you by Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now, and it's a pleasure to welcome into the show Scotty Stevenson. I believe he's stuck in that typical 6.30 traffic, which you've got to love. But cheers for joining us, Sumo, mate. We're about 37 hours out now from the big dance on Sunday morning. How are the nerves and excitement levels currently for you? Not nerves. Um, I don't have to play the game, silly. I'm just watching. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, look, I, there will be some nerves and anxieties on both sides, let's be honest. Uh, it's a huge moment, and uh, both teams have taken a, a pretty unique path to get where they've got to, uh, the All Blacks in particular. Uh, so there'll be a motion that's, uh, that's wrapped into this week, um, you know, and, and, and two coaches, and um, Rusty Erasmus, with respect to Jacques Minabier, uh and Ian Foster, who, you know, will be trying to push the right buttons for this team. I know there's been some emotion throughout the week for the All Blacks as they've talked about what this has meant and the sacrifices they've made. Um, hopefully that's all out of the system now and, it, and it's just pure focus. The South Africans who, you know, I know I know well and I, and I know what their triggers are in terms of how they represent their country and what wearing that Springbok jersey means to them, the culture under Sia Khaleesi and others within that side. So, yeah, look, uh, you know, come kick-off time and, and even before during those anthems and through the haka, uh, you know, we're going to see two great rugby teams inspired uh, by their backgrounds go toe-to-toe in Paris. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just really looking forward to the contest. Yeah, you touched on a bit of the history there, and it is pretty deep, isn't it? Obviously a replay of 1995, but I think this is the 106th time these two teams will clash. It really is the perfect final, isn't it? Like, the stage is really set for us Southern Hemisphere fans anyway. Yeah, I think there's a few in Ireland and France who might beg to differ with that assessment. But, um, you know, to the victors go the spoils. And, you know, both South Africa and New Zealand deserve to be there. They've both had to get through the the top-ranked teams in the tournaments, um, or certainly in the world, should I say, um, to get where they've got to. Uh, South Africa have done it tough uh, over France and over England, both times coming from behind. Uh, The All Blacks were emphatic against Ireland. The, The performance of the last four years for me under Ian Foster... Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, what, what looks like a cruise against Argentina, a, a team that just could not foot it uh, with the All Blacks. And, you know, I've said over the past few weeks that this is an All Black side that, it, that had room for improvement, and it's shown that incremental improvement uh, throughout the last three to four weeks at this Rugby World Cup. And, and I think the problem for South Africa, or at least a concern for the South Africans, is, you know, I, I think they've contracted in terms of game plan. Their selections would show that. Uh, the New Zealanders have expanded their game plan and have expanded what they do on the footy field. And so expansion v contraction, it's not always cut and dry, but there's certainly some interest for me in that department. Yeah, do you think part of that is down to potentially South Africa? They've had a tough run, haven't they? They've had Ireland, they had Scotland, who I think people kind of underestimate in terms of how good they are. Tonga, they were a physical side. South Africa put them away fairly easily, but there were some big collisions in there. And then they've had France and England. It's been a big kind of six weeks for them, hasn't it? Do you think some fatigue's kind of starting to creep in a bit there? Yeah, fatigue's funny, isn't it? I mean, these are highly conditioned athletes, and, you know, South Africa have made a, you know, obviously throughout history they've looked for physical confrontation. It's the way they play, and, you know, you bring up 1995, certainly I was a a high school kid in South Africa that year uh, playing footy over there, and, um, you know, I can tell you when you come up against the Afrikaans teams, it was was different gravy. Uh, They're very physically dominant players. They're very tough mentally. Uh, and, and they're imbued with a, with a, a kind of dominant confidence uh, that, that allows them to take hit after hit back up and just kind of looking for more. So, 
um, you know, having had that experience and, and knowing, uh, you know, a number of the members of the South African side, they won't be shirking their duties come uh, Sunday morning New Zealand time. They'll, they'll be looking for the fight. They'll be looking for the contest. And, and that, that is, you know, I, I think that that's part of the structure of their DNA as a rugby nation. And certainly uh, from an Afrikaans point of view, uh, you know, it's the nature of the beast when it comes to their culture uh, and their ethnicity. You mentioned you were playing over there in 95. Can you tell us a bit about like the reaction from the people? We hear so much about it now and just how special it meant in uniting that nation. Yeah. But can you tell us a bit more about what it was like on the ground? Yeah, look, I, I was very fortunate, Sally. I, I was attending a school called Woodridge College, um, which was a, a pioneer multiracial school in South Africa. Um, you know, it was a, it was a fabulous uh, place to be in the Eastgate, um, you know, a school that, that had a huge focus on outdoor education and sport. Um, you know, and, and we sat there and we watched in the common room and, uh, you know, I thought the All Blacks were going to win because they'd been so fantastic throughout that tournament. But, look, you know, the, the spectacle of Mandela, the aeroplane flying across Ellis Park, you know, the stage was set for something truly special. And, you know, I remember finishing that game and feeling a bit down in the mouth, you know, the All Blacks had lost. And I, I walked into the school dining hall and you know, the entire school stood up and sung Shoshaloza for what felt like about 30 minutes while I tried to stomach a little bit of... Um, boarding school bolognese um <laughs> you know and, but it, but it was you know really I, I was there for another six months you know um seeing out my school year and um it, it was electrifying for that nation uh, it provided the impetus for so much social change um you know and, and look the, the country has issues now uh but in that that six months following that world cup victory you couldn't have been in a more celebratory and, and joyous nation if you tried. It was, um, you know, everyone wanted to talk about the rugby. Um, I got plenty of stick from the Yarpies. Um and, and, you know, I was just so privileged to have been there and, and to seen it, uh, you know, the, the transformational effect of what essentially just a whole bunch of men throwing a ball at each other, mate. But that game, um, in every sense of the word, was so much more than a game. That's unreal to hear, mate. Cheers for sharing that. Obviously, they're looking to go back-to-back here, and they've made some big calls overnight, haven't they, with the 7-1 split. Does that, to you, show how they tend to play this game? Like Against France, they were amazing to watch, especially in that first 40 minutes. Last week, they kind of shut it down, but they got dragged into that against England. So I was kind of hoping to see that LeBoc back in 10, and they play a bit of free-throwing footy, but that's not the way it's going. So do you think they're going to try and make this a forward-orientated and kicking duel? Uh, yes, in a nutshell. Otherwise, they'd have a few more backs on the bench. Mm. Um, yeah, look, let's not forget Libok was, was shepherd crooked after 30 minutes in that England game when, you know, I, I guess it became apparent to Nina Beer and others that, you know, this, that was not going to be the night for throwing the ball around um, and they needed the control. Uh, Andre Pollard, to me, is the most extraordinary story of this entire World Cup. Here's a guy who wasn't even in the squad. Yeah. Um, and only by virtue of the injury to Malcolm Marks is he there now. Um, so you know with Andre what you get, uh, and what you get is good accuracy with the kick, very good goal kicker as we well know, um, very calm under pressure, but you know, it's a side that's lacking, you know, no Lacanio Arm, no Makazoli and Mapimpi who were superstars of that 2019 side, mm-hmm. and remember they rope a dope to England, England had watched them play throughout that World Cup, it was all about Fuff the Clerk, it was all about the box kick, it was all about hoisting it high, chasing well, forward dominance, 
they got to the final. They played some of the most spectacular rugby of the entire tournament. Mm. Um, they're not going to be able to pull that double bluff again here with the squad they've announced. So what's interesting to me is Rusty Erasmus played the mind games last time with Eddie Jones and won. Uh, this time, you know, what he's essentially said to New Zealand is we're going to try and run over the top of you and pulverise you and um, bring it on. He's gone quiet in the media too, which makes me a little anxious. But the All Blacks, they made a few big calls themselves. The absence of Dane Coles is probably the one that's got people talking more so because I guess he's now played his final game in the black jersey. But what did you make of the 23 overall? I guess it was fairly consistent. Did any of these selections surprise you? One of the worst selections in the history of All Black Rugby was leaving Ben Smith um, out of the semi-final in, South, in, in Japan. Mm. And um, I hope the, the non-selection of Dane Coles does not come back to bite this side. Um, look, there, there may be some physical reasons there. There may be some data behind Dane Coles' non-selection, uh, which suggests some fatigue sitting in or a body that's maybe just a little bit past its best. Um, but, you know, the hit on that guy, the way he can close out a match... Uh, his ability to get in the fight. Uh, I think it would have been crucial taking nothing away from Sonny Tokayaho, uh, but just the experience of Coles alone. Uh, that must have been an excruciatingly tough decision for that selection squad to make. Um, and, you know, I, I really do hope that that non-selection doesn't come back to bite this all-black side. I'm not, I'm not surprised by too much else. I, you know, I always thought that Barrett and Retallick would, would reunite in that second row, leaving yeah. Whitelock on there, who showed his worth against Ireland. Um, coming off the bench. Uh, the three backline reserves in that team, I, I guess the one question is what happened to Roy Gard? He's just fallen <laughs> off a cliff from, yeah. uh, from a selection point of view. Um, you know, and if something happens to Aaron Smith in this game, um, what a what a shift for Finlay Christie to try and run that cutter. Mm. Um, he has had very limited minutes um, throughout this tournament. I think Smith played 80 against Ireland, um, if I'm not mistaken, or close to it. Um, you know, very limited minutes for Finlay Christie throughout the tournament. And, um, you know, uh, I just, you always do. You hope no player goes down injured on either side. But, um, gee, that could be a huge call. You mentioned before the development of the All Blacks game throughout this tournament. What's impressed you most? What areas of their play have, have you kind of noticed the biggest improvement? Oh, I think they've worked very hard on their defensive alignments, which they can shift in and out of. Um, you know, I thought the way they defended against Ireland was, had some subtle differences to the way they defended against Argentina. Um, you know, there's good communication in that back line now about where they need to be stationed. I, I think, you know, the, the set piece has been the unspoken hero of this All Black side. They've mm. had the best line out in the tournament. They've probably had the best light scrum success too, to be honest. Um, you know, they're a very good set-piece team under Jason Ryan and Greg Feek. Uh, and others, uh, you know, and I, I think that's one of the, the things about this all-black side that people never really mention. Uh, we talk a lot about the European sides and set-piece. We talk a lot about the South Africans and set-piece. Their set-piece, their line-out in particular, got demolished against England, um, and they won it back in that final 20 on the scrum. But uh, New Zealand's got a, a very solid pack, and, and I think, you know, certainly we can go into the weeds on this, but the, the one thing for me, mate, is, is they've shown composure and patience. Mm. Um, you know, they had to absorb against Ireland, and they did so without panicking, without trying to overreach, without trying to overstep, without you know looking for turnover ball that wasn't there. And those very early stages against Argentina, they did the same. Uh, so that, to me, shows a side that that is that has grown greatly in confidence about understanding when to pull the trigger on those turnover plays, when to look to transition, um, and just how to defend um, through absorption. That, sometimes it, it reminds me of a league setup the way they defend. They yeah. sort of wait on the ball run and make the tackle, and then you know they pour in over the top. And you know that that, that just took, that's taken a while to bet in. But you know you have seen week in week out. 
over this tournament that the All Blacks have just added layers uh, to their game as a whole. And um, so, you know, going back to our original question, that that's probably what fills me with confidence the most that this All Black side is a side on the rise, side on the rise, and the Springboks have had to fall back into you know their their real comfort level. The All Blacks live come into this with an extra day's recovery, I guess, and that's been a big talking point this week because I think at this stage of the tournament, mental fatigue as much as physical is just as big. Do you see that playing a big role? I think the Springboks would have loved to have played the day earlier. Do you agree? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think every side, you know, loves that extra day because, it, you know, otherwise your weeks can feel quite contracted, can't it, when you're, when you're accustomed to a certain way of training through the week and certain days where you have your heavy workloads or your, or your sessions that you know what's coming. Suddenly, you know, seven days turns into six and, and everything feels a little out of kilter. Um, you know, again, there, enough experience in that South African side to, to get over that. Um, but yeah, look, the All Blacks would have been very comfortable knowing that they could sit back and, and watch what unfolded in Paris against England uh, and knowing that they, they did have that extra day up their sleeve and that their timetable was, was largely set. Um, I, I can't speak to the, to the mindset of the South African coaching staff and management around what this week would have looked like for them regardless. But yeah, I, I mean, naturally it's going to play a part in that. But that's, you know, the All Blacks can't do anything about that. That's the schedulers and, um, you know, they're just the beneficiaries of, of, of you know, something that, that just had to happen. And finally, before we let you go, mate, what's your prediction for this game? Are you thinking that this handful of All Black legends are going to be sent out in the best way possible or are you predicting South Africa back to back? Yeah, it's pretty tough, mate. Uh, but look, I, you know, I, I sort of, you know, like I, I'd grown in confidence before that quarterfinal from what I'd seen, and I picked the All Blacks there. Um, you know, I certainly picked them over the Pumas, and you know, and I'm just going to carry on that theme here, Steely. And I, I, I think they are pound for pound the better side, um, and they're a side that is capable of of pulling the trigger on a number of different game plans. South Africa's got one uh, that I can see at this stage uh, with the squad that they've selected. So. You know, the All Blacks, if they can strike, um, I think they can take this one between 9 and 12. Oh, we love to hear that. Well, cheers for joining us, Sumo, mate. That 9 to 12, that's a great prediction. I've got them exactly by 10. So fingers crossed that's the way it plays out and hope you enjoy the game Sunday morning, mate. Yeah, likewise to you and all your listeners, Benny. Thanks, mate. Right, time now for our final break. On the other side of that, we'll have the schedule for both games that you can catch live here on SENZ. Iconic scenes there and hopefully a sign of things to come for this weekend. So it's time now to have a look at the schedule for finals weekend, which has dished up two great games that you can catch both live here, of course, on SENZ. Saturday morning, we have England taking on Argentina from 7.30 with kickoff at 8. Sammy Hewitt and former All Black halfback Steve Devine are in the hot seat for that one. Then Sunday morning, the big dance, All Blacks versus South Africa. Build up from 7, kickoff at 8 with 
Daniel McCarty and All Blacks great Christian Cullen on the call for that. Who will create history and be the first to win four? Will 1995 repeat itself or can the All Blacks turn it around and flip that result on its head? I'm certainly backing the All Blacks to get the job done and I've got them winning by exactly 10 as I mentioned to Sumo there before. For me, the keys are to get a fast start. We've got to back our discipline on defence and then control the tempo of the game by playing a space and if we do kick we need to kick long and keep it in the field of play try and make fatigue become a factor that's what I'm hoping is going to happen anyway so fingers crossed so that's us for Rugby World Cup today I'll be back on Monday to hopefully recap a famous All Black win but regardless I think this is going to be a final for the ages so hope you enjoy the game wherever you're watching it stay safe and get up the All Blacks